Hello everyone and welcome to the Giant Brain Lecture Theatre. I'm Ian McAllister and I'll be your interviewer tonight. The Scottish gaming scene is a bright, vibrant place full of people making, playing and talking about games. There have always been organisations putting together cons and over the years those have grown, changed, vanished and reformed. It always felt to me like we were needed a unifying event, something that brought together a lot of the disparate parts of our community into celebration of what gaming could be about. Starting in 2018, Tabletop Scotland did just that. 2018 event was a great time. I was personally involved in helping the playtest zone part of the con, and 2019 saw the event grow some 50% in attendance and doubling the floor space the convention occupied. And then, well, you know what happened then. 2022 sees the triumphant return of Tabletop Scotland. To talk about that and much more, it is my great pleasure to welcome David Wright and John Harper to the Giant Brain HQ. How are you doing, chaps? All good. Evening. Thanks for having us in. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming along. How has the last couple of years been for you both personally? So outside of Tabletop Scotland. Outside of Tabletop Scotland. <laughs> Before we get to that. Before we get to that. Um, well, probably much the same challenges as lots, lots and lots of people. Uh, basically stayed in the house for almost all of it. Worked from home, uh, which was fine. Moved all of my role-playing games online, which was also fine. But I had played a single board game between March 2020 and I think it must have been about November last year, 2021, um, which was weird because, I, well, it was just, it wasn't practical. My family don't play yeah. board games, so it was kind of one of these things. So, so yeah. Pretty soft a little bit, but, you know, I'm yeah. still here. Got used to the same four walls working from home very yeah. much. Got bored of that um, quite quickly, turns out. Did a lot of that. Still managed to get some gaming and board gaming. We, because of the the bubble arrangement in COVID, part of my bubble was Big Brother Simon, who's also one of the organisers of Tabletop Scotland, and immediate family who do games. So some of them do games. So we were bubbled, so we could get some gaming in, and moved a lot of stuff online. Everyone that knows Dave knows that he loves his role playing games, and he's a role playing fanatic. Dave DMs uh, a fortnightly D and D game. Yep. that Simon and I are both players in, and uh, I can confirm Dave has a malicious and evil vindictive streak and <laughs> somehow manages to rig dice on a virtual dice machine. Yep. I've hacked oh. the API. You can definitely ask him about how, how he does that. Yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, he makes my dice stuck and his dice are brilliant. That's simple. <laughs> I can't roll a 20. He can always roll 20. It's a bit mysterious. It is Yeah, weird. it does sound mysterious. Yeah, the same for me for board games. I, I got my biggest review pile ever just before the... Um, before uh, COVID, and then I was just like, oh, well, I will not be reviewing these for two years. Great. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, how is Tabletop Scotland shaping up for its 2022 return? Um, it's it's shaping up very nicely, I think. Um, yeah. It's it's the sort of thing that a um, number of exhibitors are up um, from what we had in 2019. We've got the same amount of floor space. We're tweaking certain parts of the layout. But overall, everything's going really well. Our ticket sales, yeah, I, I don't know if you heard me say this when, when I saw you a couple of weeks ago, Ian, but it's kind of like we open ticket sales two months later than we normally do. So we normally open at the end of January, we went for the end of March. But in those first 24 hours, we sold the equivalent of what we sold in three months for 2019. Great. Which, is, which was both terrifying and uh, kind of affirming that, we, yeah, that people wanted to come. <laughs> I think the, um, the, the we held off in opening up ticket sales this year because we wanted to be sure that we would be mm. 
COVID in that situation where we we were clear and happy about how COVID was panning out and yeah. how that would impact attendance because some people might not know this, but um, some people might, but the venue we used, the Jewish Centre in Perth, became a, a, an NHS venue for COVID and it became a, a, um, a um, author test, test, test vaccination centre. So All right. yep. that that was in it. We, you know, even if we'd been able to hold an event, we wouldn't have been able to hold the event at the venue. And then they needed to effectively go back to being a, um, a, a leisure facility after all that. And that's had an impact. So we, we held off on opening ticket sales and we thought, right, we'll give it two months. And two months came in and boom, we saw a big spike at the beginning. We've seen nice consistent sales, I think. Throughout. Obviously, we don't want anyone to go. We still want you to buy your ticket in advance. If only so. Yes, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> I'll your ticket yet and you're thinking I might want to go, then definitely you do want to go. So buying tickets in advance helps us and helps you make sure you've got plenty of time for booking events as well. But it's been good. There's been a... It, a lot of things have changed, I think it's fair to say, but a lot of stuff stayed exactly the same. I mean, the, the passions there, the, not just from attendees, but exhibitors, you know, there are lots of exhibitors yeah. are very excited to be coming and see familiar faces. Um, you know, for some people, it may well be their first large event or shared event since 2019 because yep. of COVID. So we're excited to see a lot of familiar faces and new faces. Yeah, that's uh, that's the case for me. It'll be my first big event since COVID. I was, I was vaguely thinking about going to Expo, but just couldn't afford it this year. But yeah, so yeah, Tabletop's gone to be the first big convention I've attended since one thing and another happened. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so, are you sort? Of, do you think you're sort of close to capacity then with ticket sales, or are you still sort no, of I mean, the, quite a bit of way to go? It, so, the, the the way that our ticket sales have happened in the past, um, and obviously that's all we can go by, is roughly seventy percent of our attendees buy or buy their seventy seventy five buy their tickets before they arrive, and then our twenty five go and twenty five percent are on the day. Which is absolutely fine as a model, but you know, if you can buy it earlier, then please do. But no, I don't think we'll be a capacity. We weren't a capacity in 2019. There were always spaces available for open play, as an example, um, even though it was very hot. But it's it's the sort of thing that we know there is space to grow, and we've been a bit more creative with how the exhibitors are laid out to be able to fit more in roughly the same amount of spaces to what we gave them in 2019. One thing, we very conscious decision right from the start. Dave very much said when, years ago when we started talking about an event, the thing that eventually became the thing that eventually became Tabletop Scotland. Yeah. One of the things that we talked about early doors was regardless of what the venue is, where the venue is, or what, what we end up doing, what a type of convention. One thing we want to be able to do is a make sure we can grow it and you know, yeah. use the buzzword organically and all that stuff. But also bear in mind that what we want is people to be happy and relaxed and comfortable. And it's little things that the, the public don't need to know or be necessarily aware of. Is for example, we've very clearly set a rule about how far there should be between seats and tables. Yes. Um, yeah. So we could. Make we could easily fit more tables in the space, but we choose not to. Yeah. yeah. So growth-wise, there's tons of there's options, but we've decided we want something that's friendly, welcoming, open, inclusive. And if you're going to do all those things, you have to take into account a lot of factors. One of those is ultimately is what 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 makes people comfortable because somebody who's uncomfortable is not going to stay. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. The great things about open play and is the open play area is we've got enough space between tables so that people can come and go as they please, sit down for twelve hours and play Twilight Imperium if they're so inclined. Um, or you know, nip in and out of the open play three, four times while they're there to play different games. I think that's a very short game of Twilight Imperium, I think. Well, it's twelve hours, I suppose you're using. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and also, you know, <laughs> that's the point at which at least one person's going to either be completely and utterly enraged or so drunk they just don't come back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, John's John's spot on with that reference to the space. It's it's something that through talking to other convention organisers, they always have a little bit of a raised eyebrow about how much space we put between tables, or more accurately, between the backs of chairs, because we. So the example is. This is not a criticism of as UK Games Expo put 1.5 meters between tables. We put 1.5 meters between the backs of chairs. Yeah, right. That's quite a big, that's quite a big difference. <laughs> that is quite a big difference. Um, it's almost two and a half meters between tables. Now. Yeah. So you know, it's little things like that that help yeah. the environment, help the atmosphere of the convention. We think. But anyway, I mean, it's still busy. It's still buzzing. But the fact is, people have got space and people do better in space and it, it means that yeah. we're also thinking about people that have access needs that might yeah. need that extra space so you know we want an open space for everyone to be involved in and you can't do that if people can't get access simple as that yeah there, there are quite a few conventions that started up again last year like they started up again in 2021 and they've continued through to this year what led to you postponing like the two years 2020 and 2021 and, and so, wanting to go so, this year so as so John alluded to the, the our our default option would be would have been obviously have something in the Jura Centre, but they became a vaccination centre. I think it was around about the May of last year, John. I can't remember right. exactly. Yeah, it was April, uh, April into April, May. Yeah. It was something like that, and yeah. so that that largely made our decision for us because we were originally planning to host it, uh, or at least we'd said here are the dates, let's wait and see type thing. We hadn't opened ticket sales, we hadn't uh, invoiced any exhibitors or anything like that. We were just kind of like, let's see. But then the decision was made for us, which in some respects was both a relief and a challenge. A relief in that we didn't have to make the decision. Uh, but the yeah. challenge was, well, do we do something else? And one of the, almost going back to the capacity reference, one of the challenges with, with an event the size of Tabletop Scotland is if we were to move it to another venue but not downscale it, there's really only a handful of those in Scotland. Um, you know, we take we, we use over three and a half thousand square meters. Um almost three thousand square meters of that is on one floor. You know, the, the irony of that situation of course is that the venues in Scotland of a size yeah. that we need, a couple of them where like one of them was immediately around about the same time as the Jewish Centre. This is now a large open space the NHS can use as a vaccination centre. Precisely, precisely. And then, yeah. and then the, the big one, the, the obvious big one is the SECC. And lo and behold, the SECC was at one point going to become... Nightingale Hospital. Nightingale yeah. Hospital. They made a clear big open flat space. You can fit a lot of beds in there. So the, the, realistically, the choice of venues for 2021 was we get extraordinarily lucky. COVID is dealt with absurdly quickly and somehow we can have an event in August or realistically we I mean we were confident or confident we were confident I would say that it wasn't going to happen last year when we yeah. were having we were planning we put all we did all the planning we you know, if you look at the planning we did for 2018 and 2019 
and this work we started for 2020, we reached the same points at the same time in 2021. We got to a point where we're like, this is the point where we would normally be discussing, confirming the date for ticket sales, confirming all this stuff. And then we, we had pre-agreed triggers that we would do or not do at certain points. And those natural trigger points all hit exactly when they were meant to hit. And that's the exact moment we're like, well, venue's gone. Yeah. It's going to take us three months to get Find somewhere. <laughs> if we're lucky. If we're lucky. Actually, they, that's, that work is not worth the effort when no. we just, and there was no, and the risk was far too great for us as Tabletop Scotland, but also for our, our, our actual attendees because of COVID and the associated risks. So we said, you know what? No, we, we can easily just press pause again. The great thing is, is we can press pause. We contacted the exhibitors, contacted various different people. And the moment we said we're pressing pause, they were like, fantastic. We'll see you in 2022. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was an easy decision to say not do it. Um, we, if if it had been entirely possible to do it, then absolutely we would have done it. But it was it was one of those moments when Mary from the the Jewish Center emailed, and it wasn't just me she was telling because essentially they had to cancel every single event they had scheduled to say we're now a vaccination center, and we were like, right, okay, that's made our decision for us. Cool. And the second part of the question was, was there alternatives? Dave being the masochist he is, said, I'm going to go and do an online con, Alba con, yeah. Yeah. event and online stuff. He asked if we wanted to be involved, the rest of us involved in Tabletop Scotland. My answer was, no, um, I'm going to drink instead. <laughs> um, Simon, I, I wasn't paying attention when the question was answered by him, else for that matter. Um, so, you know, for me, 2021, I was happy just to take a break from it and gear up for this year. Um, yeah. Whereas Dave... Dave can't sit still for more than five minutes. No, I need anyone, someone to occupy my time. I had suddenly all this free time. You know, it's like, what do I do with this? If anyone <laughs> ever spent more than half an hour with Dave, you know it's impossible to get him to do anything you want him to do when you want him to shut up and sit down sometimes. Anyone that's at 2018, 2019 will have seen me at least more than one occasion grabbing him and say, if you don't eat something in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to lock you in a room. <laughs> um, and I, I almost did at one point. Um, yep. So Dave has a can do a drive attitude. I have a, it's done. We can chill on it for 12 months. Not quite 12 months. <laughs> so, so Dave did a great job with Albacord and they raised a ton of money for charity as well. So, we did. um, and I, I, I personally kept at least one brewery in business. So all good. <laughs> Brilliant. At least one. Uh, so you've, you, yeah, you, you've done Albacon, so you could tell us a little bit more about that, Dave. And also, how have you sort of maintained interest in Tabletop Scotland over the sort of couple of fallow years? Yeah, I mean, Albacon came from a conversation with my mate Mark, uh, and, and we did it in 2020 and in 2021. It was kind of like, Mark, after we pulled the plug on the postponed, well, the initial, then the postponed date for 2020, it was like, right, okay, what am I going to do? And Mark was like, well, you can do something online. Why don't you do that? Um, uh, and I was like, right, okay, only if you do it with me. Because I was like, there's no way I'm doing this on my own. Because <laughs> I had no experience at that stage of doing anything fancy online other than running my own game so it was learn how to use discord it was learn how to you know do all this kind of integration between discord and websites and all that kind of stuff but the the first year we raised money for a charity called it's good to give which is a kids a cancer charity which was very close to it still is very close to mark because his son 
Sam has leukemia or had leukemia. He's through remission now. Um, and we raised over three grand for them, which was amazing, you know, for an event that came out of nowhere and had, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 games on the schedule. Um, we charged tickets for the games. So basically all that money went straight to the charity. It was just like really simple model. Yeah. But we had people donating uh, money, like publishers donating money, not just donating product, but donating money, which was just so bizarre. But that, that went really well. And it was then, okay, we're going to do this again. And I was like, okay, we'll do it again once I know that Tabletop Scotland 2021 isn't going to happen. Because I can't do the two of them at the same time. That would kill me. So we did it again in 2021 and raised £3,300 for Penumbra, the Scottish Mental Health Charity, um, which was, was kind of driven by, there was a lot, certainly been a lot of content online during the pandemic about role-playing and the kind of mental health benefits of it and stuff like that. And it was kind of like, well, that felt like a good fit. And I had done work with Penumbra before in my day job. So it was like, well, I just kind of thought they're an obvious answer to that question. So, uh, but it was myself and Mark and uh, four others, Bob, Kirsten, Ollie and Simon that were involved in doing that. And it was really just reaching out to anybody that we knew or otherwise to say, would you run a game for us? And we had people from nine different countries running games for us. Um, I, and it was just Brilliant. mad, but but great. But, it, but the, the weirdest thing about it is when it's happening, you've got nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, because everyone's just in, in, in games. Exactly. It's all just yeah. happening in the Discord. And it's yeah. it, it's kind of weird looking at a discord seeing all these people in channels and going i don't need to do anything <laughs> yeah ironically enough that a huge number of people playing games which is what we aim for at tabletop scotland yeah. but in that situation you know and almost to an extent what we what we've dealt with two times now and this will be the third time is ideally we want to be doing nothing on the saturday and Sunday. Ideally. i mean it's impossible it, that will not happen um, but you, you know it's going well when you're standing there going, what am I meant to be doing now? I've forgotten yeah. something. Yeah. Is there, and then you're like, oh, actually, I can take five minutes to have a cup of tea. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I was just impressed by how quickly all that came together. So like I said, kudos to Dave and Mark and everyone else involved in it. And there is a great, a big ton of money. Um, but what's noticeable is that a lot of the people that, certainly what I've seen is people that attended Albacon online, yeah. Um, and I'm sure Dave will probably have numbers because he does numbers. I, I refuse to pay attention to them. Were new to the hobbies. Yes. The gaming hobbies. You know, they were they were new to D and D, new to Pathfinder. You name it as a, a a game, but new to tabletop gaming in general. And that's and, and and Dave will be able to give you a number for it. Is Dave administrates the administers the RPG Scotland uh, Facebook in Scotland. Um, Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. And um. What the membership? Ten times higher. Well, the D and I appreciate we're slightly going off in tangents here, but this no, is, this that's how it works. Totally right. Right. Um, <laughs> um, the D, so uh, the D and D Scotland Facebook group originally was the D and D Adventures League in Scotland Facebook group, right? Sure, and it had about I don't know eighty, maybe a hundred people in it. And I I suggested to the other admin at the time, uh, Tony, look, let's just make it D and D Scotland. This was literally just before the pandemic hit, and I was because then if people want to play AL, they can play AL, and so we did that. And it went from, as I say, around about 80 to 100 people to, as current count, about 2,000 people. 
Oof. Which at, at one at one stage we were getting like fifty, sixty people joining every day, and it was just crazy. But very easy to admin because it was literally people just saying Who, who's running games online, you know, and people were returning to the hobby from having not played for like 15 years. And and it was kind of like, right, OK, so we then created a discord, which was just before uh, we did Albacon. Um, and it was kind of like, right, well, let's create a discord to enable this community to play games together. So we do that and that discord has games running on it every day of the week still even now right Dave said we're going off tangent but actually the reason why I was leading into that was because you, the question part of the question you asked was how we've kept interest in Tabletop Scotland yes the answer is, is that's part of the answer part of yeah. the answer by being visible being approachable by making sure that we're talking <coughs> to our audience and and actually we've got the Tabletop Scotland Facebook pages we've got the Tabletop Scotland groups which are busy and we, we were constantly posting on there we did the the World Cup of Board Games um, ticket to ride one. Yeah, ticket to ride, which absolutely was a, a you know, um, I, I would have predicted. Well, n- well, actually, none of us had money on that. I think I think I'll remind you that none of us had money on that. Uh, well, no, because I'm not strong enough to gamble, but probably my one of my top three favourite board games of all time and variations of. It was your um, love yeah, because Love Train, basically. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we, we constantly post about stuff, we talked about things, we had weekly, and Dave still does not you know, weekly. Yeah. But, what he'd been up to this week because it, it, um, was, it was it was like two or three weeks after lockdown because I kicked in I was like I'll just ask the question how's everyone doing and I've yeah. done that every Friday and it's every Friday we get a great set of responses and you know and you know as 2022 is you know Tabletop Talk 2022 is happening that we, we've deliberately changed the post Liverpool's network about events and retail yeah. happening and you know promoting the event and we've never stopped promoting it but we've kept that engagement going and it, it really is just a case of keep talking about it, keep being involved in people's games, asking them what they're doing, what they're excited about, what they're playing, and you'll feed off that to keep saying, well, don't forget, we want, we're excited to see you playing games. Yeah. We're putting on this event that hopefully these people will enjoy. Um, and I'm quite encouraged. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm quite encouraged, and I think we all are quite encouraged that what we're we're seeing is a lot of people saying, I got back into this hobby or I got into this hobby playing online two years ago because I was stuck in the house. Yeah. I want to do it in person. I want to try this big event. I want to go, you know, we've got the D&D epics. We've got all these different role-playing systems that people have got the board games library. We've got all this. This might be some people, this will be their first opportunity to actually engage in these things on the, the big side of things. Um, yeah. And so there's a level of excitement there, and that's what I'm excited for, definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm excited for it as well. I'm not, uh, I'm not like uh, committed to anything this year as well. So I'm just going to be. There. Really, you, you're a free soul. A free soul. <laughs> yeah, my disabilities, my, my place yeah. of games, my drinks yeah. of beer. It's all yeah. these things are entirely possible. Exactly, yeah. one of the might definitely happen. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the event in general, I've got a few questions about that. I just wanted to touch on one thing that people are going to want to know anyway. Uh, Obviously, the government has declared that we are living with COVID. I'm doing air quotes, so this is brilliant radio. Uh, uh, Many are concerned about attending large organized events like Tabletop Scotland. Do you know at the moment what your COVID policies are going to be around the event itself? So we we have a policy on the website. I am conscious it's not on the front page, um, but it is all kind of baked into the any terms and conditions. So what what our policy is, and we announced I think it was in March, um, but we're 
We've taken the government's guidance, which is they recommend masks in crowded indoor spaces and translated to that, we want people to wear masks. We are reviewing that constantly. And it's the sort of thing that as as the world moves forward, and I don't mean moves moves forward as in is over COVID, as the world moves forward, we can see right now that things like case numbers are climbing and hospitalizations are climbing. And it's like because there's more variants and it's and it's kind of like what do we do would be the kind of key question there. Um we we even just as individuals want to have a safe event, right? Because yeah. the last thing we need um, is for one of us to get ill during the event. <laughs> so being selfish about it, masks are a good thing for that. But similarly, it's it's the sort of thing a lot of our attendees are comforted by the fact, and they've said this both publicly and privately, that we are saying, wear a mask. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough one, if I'm honest, um, but it feels like the right decision. That doesn't mean we won't change it, but we'll make a final decision probably between now and the end of the month. I think it's worth noting that um, the the two things that we're going to be particularly paying attention to is ultimately any decision we make will be trumped by the venue. Absolutely. If the venue turn around and say, you know, we're a public space, we've been told, or the local authority, whoever's responsible says, you must do X, Y, Z. We're going to do that. We're not going to. We're not going to have opt outs or anything like that. Is if the venue says it's all mask all day, then that's going to happen. Um, we will move within the leeway we've got within that arrangement with the, within that relationship with the venue. So that's of course. It. The second thing is is what we're, we're also not going to do is we're not going to do anything that we feel or think will cause any harm. Yeah. Um, so for me, that means that I'm going to be in a giant Zorb bubble all weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I won't be, but um, mainly because I have to do a panel. You do, um, yeah. I have to do a panel. Then you can mic up the inside of the Zorb, you know. Yeah. Um, but think yeah, of the echo. Just think exactly. of the echo inside that. Anyway, so, oh. so we're, we're, we're going to, and what we're asking is that everyone attending does the same. You know, think about what's right, think about what's safe, and if you, as an attendee, don't feel safe then we need to know, but also at the same time, we, we'll do everything we can do to make you safe, but you have to do everything you can do to make you safe and others around you safe. You know, none of us are going into this as individuals. We're a collective. We have to be a collective. We're going to be in that sort of space together for that length of time. You know, don't be yeah. a dick. <laughs> Fair enough. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So Although officially that's no longer part of our website. <laughs> against my you know better judgment I, I know but never mind it's, it's, it's hidden somewhere so um, we were talking there about like uh, Albacon obviously has it was online RPGs and Tabletop Scotland has always had quite a big focus on RPGs uh, setting it apart from some of the other conventions why do you, do you make that choice in sort of the original setup of the con and how do you think it affects the draw of the con I'm blaming Dave I'm jumping in for Dave <laughs> Dave 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 Dave, Dave, Dave. Dave. It's all me. It's all my fault. Um, well, it is all my fault. Um, but okay. So, so, so why, why, why are RPGs such a big part of it? Um, yeah. Well, it's it's quite simple because we wanted them to be. Um, why, why would why would we make that decision? Well, it's. I used to run the open role playing community in Edinburgh. I I've been a role player since. Well, actually, how old am I now? I'm thirty eight. Forty eight. Even so, thirty five years I've been playing role playing. Thirty eight. <laughs> 
I was going to say, that's the wrong person who's yeah. doing the talking here. Yeah. Tell them I had a long day. Um, but the but it was quite easy to dis- to make that decision. I think the first year we did it, we had um, about 70-ish tables of role-playing games, about 40 of that was D&D. And we deliberately decided to do Adventures League for D&D because it was quite popular within the retail community in particular at the time. Um, and that worked because it meant we could have an epic which is a multi-table interactive event for those yeah. who don't know who that is. Um, but the, in 2019, I deliberately did a bit more, shall we say, canvassing of the role-playing communities in Scotland to go, what do you want to run? And how many tables can be pulled together? So that grew from 70-ish to just over 100 in 2019. And D&D stayed at 40 because the room we have it in at that time could only fit so many tables. So that was great. That was a great explosion of more games, basically. And all of those games were very busy, which which is also great. Um, yeah. and, and this year, it's 110 role-playing games. And we've managed to increase the D&D by another a table per slot, so another five tables, um, by reorganizing that room that is in. And this year, we've got two epics for the D&D as well, which is great fun. And I think one of the... One of- Again, this harks back to conversations we were having in hotels in Edinburgh years ago. It, oh, seems, yeah. like, it seems like a decade ago. I mean, if the first Tale of Scotland was 2018, we were, and it, I was trying to figure this out the other day. I think the first time we sat down, Dave, myself, Simon, other people, um, would have been 2015. And Okay. Yeah, it um, was. It was what, October or November 2015. Yeah. So one of the things that immediately became apparent was when we were talking about the sort of things people want to do at conventions um, yeah they want a role play yeah they want a board game yeah they want a war game to a certain extent and that's a whole kettle of fish we'll come into in a moment but ultimately the the people that are coming to conventions for the main part will fit into a couple of key groups and there are people that want to do stuff. They want to role play. They want to play board games. They want they want a thing to. They want the convention itself to include other stuff to do while they're there. Mm-hmm. And then there are other people that are just going to come along and see what's happening, and more than likely come with friends or family. And they, for them, it's a pre-arranged event, so they might plan to meet up with friends and spend the weekend playing games together. So not important for them to have something laid on. Yeah in the sense that they're coming because this will be the chance they get to play an Adventures League or take part in an Epic or do a particular role-playing game. Or play um, in a Ticket to Ride tournament or whatever it is. And, yeah. So there, there's those competing elements. And in terms of how do you get, and you know, and let's be honest about it, this is a thing where we, Dave, myself, etc., we, we need to know that come the Monday the 28th of August, no, we've not... Monday the 28th of August... Yeah. The events twi- so yeah Monday this is the, the 29th of August oh because yeah, lost it, yeah. Monday's come, yeah come Monday the 29th of August when we're busy collapsing the setup to put in the cater the cater hire company is coming to pick up all the chairs and tables and stuff like that. yeah there's a business at the back of this this isn't us putting on a thing for the sake of our own health or our own hairlines <laughs> it, it does feel like that at times but yeah, yes <laughs> behind this Tabletop Scotland is an actual business we run it as a business we work as a business and we had to very early doors make a decision say what will maximise how many people we can get to attend an event so that our pockets aren't suddenly very empty very quickly <laughs> and 
we sat, we talked about a million different things and we noticed and Dave, Dave said, look, I've got numbers. He showed his numbers because he does that. Yeah. There's a pattern here. Where is there a big gap? And in Scotland especially, big gap was a role-playing focus convention where people had the opportunity to see and try lots of different things. Lots of board gaming as well. Yeah. But the board gaming is people come and play board games, whereas the role-playing is people come in, they're coming for an experiential thing that you don't get necessarily. Yeah, right. sure. And that totally potted RPG focus, RPG focus. Once that's in place, good solid foundation, 2018, 2019, we grew it. We increased the capacity. We added more open play. We were able to focus on making sure we had the, 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 the games library for the board games was bigger, make the RPGs bigger, like Dave says, get more focus on a variety of RPG games. And same again for what we're doing 20 and 21 and this year, grow it again bigger. So we're adding more games this year. You know, I finally got my way seven years later. We're having a war game zone. Um, we are. And, and, and a lot of that came down to the fact that war gaming takes up a huge amount of space of course, versus yeah. board gaming and then versus role playing games. Um, and we need to be yeah, like t- tournaments or events you're putting on for war games. It is, it is war gaming open play. It is open play. And, and war, war bases are one of our exhibitors are sponsoring that area by providing tr- terrain for it. So people can literally yeah. come with whatever game, war game they want to come with yeah. um, of any kind of period or otherwise at any scale. And we will have terrain on tables that they can just sit and play with. It's literally just. Couple of rows of open play tables that are dedicated for the purposes of wargaming, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, just so that people again, and it's you know something people will turn up for hopefully, and they'll you know they'll bring the stuff and they'll maybe play for two or three hours, much the same as with the board game. Yeah, um, arrange a game with people or come with a friend or friends to play games together, and then enjoy the rest of the convention. And it's the sort of thing that I mean, as I mean, as. I think you've almost alluded to this a little bit, I think, Ian, but the, the evolution of the convention over time is that yeah. we we tweak it, you know, we dabble in things. And as John says, he's he's been um, pushing for a war games element to the convention for quite some time. And it's like, wait, okay, this is the year we'll, 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 t- we'll try it. And it's... If, that is to say we haven't been doing clever things yeah. before. I mean, last time around we had the, um, you know... After 2018, we looked at exhibits for 2019, yeah. and we thought, right, who can we invite as an exhibitor that's in that war game space? Yes. No. Exactly. Exactly. We, we we want to make sure that I mean the name of the convention is Tabletop Scotland, right? So we want to make sure that it's re- reflective of the tabletop community, and by that I include makers, publishers, retailers that are in Scotland. Um, as well as people outside of Scotland who want to come and visit us, and lots of them do. Um, you know, <laughs> give us their money. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that having having anything like I mean, we dabbled with the Starship Simulator in 2019. It was a ridiculously good success, so much so we're having it back. You know, it's, but it's things like that that we want to experiment with, and obviously make it fit within the jigsaw puzzle that is the floor plan. So you've got a sort of quite a big dedicated family zone as well. We do. How, how do you think that benefits the con? And do you, how has that changed? And how do you see it changing as the con evolves? So for, for in 2018, uh, one of the things we did uh, when we sat down as a group to go, so what is this and who is it for type mm-hmm. thing, right? Um, it was kind of like, so we... <sighs> So we're not an event that is dedicated to the hardcore existing gamer, 
right? They will, they, if they want to come, fabulous. We have a games library, we have exhibitors, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's, we, are, we are not solely targeting them. We want people who are curious about the hobby to come along. And given the age of the hobby, i.e. both, both, well, not even both, but from a board gaming role-playing perspective, which is my aspects, I mean, it's multi-generational now. Right, so there will be people who are my age, who have adult children, who want to come along, and they may share that passion at home, and they want to experience it at a convention. So having a family zone was always something we were going to have, and similarly having a gateway zone, which is slightly different, is was always something we were going to have. the The kind of breakthrough that we had was in a moment of why not. I decided to email Haber. And go, would you be interested? Uh, and they said, yes. <laughs> because if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, and that immediately made it more of a thing. Because we were like, right, okay, Haber's going to come. Excellent, right. How much, what can we do with this? How, how can we grow it? How much space will they want? That sort of thing. So, and the Haber Zone in 2018 and in 2019 was busy throughout. And lots of kids, lots of families coming. And that is fantastic. Because we see that as, well, fundamentally, without sound overly pompous, the future of the hobby. In 2019, Fabio, who was manning the, the, the manning, volunteering and looking after the habit area, um, was involved in one of the panels. Um, so so he could go and attend the panel and take part in that, I, I covered, you know, I, I, I slotted in and covered the habit zone and, you know, he didn't clear that with any of us, by the way. He just decided. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just a good, good hearty man like, there. There was a game where you had different animals and different bits of fruit, and you had to balance them on each other. And to be frank, I wanted to play it, and I did, and it was great. Um, <laughs> and while I was playing, there were lots of families. There were families coming in, young children playing, right? Showed them the games, demoed it, etc. They talked about where they could get these games. I told them which retailers had the games on the stand. They went. And then an hour or so later, I sold that family, one of those families, leaving with having been to a, one of the uh, exhibitors, one of the retailers exhibitors we got, picked up that Habba game and another couple of games, both for the kids and for the adults, yep. and leaving with a bag oh. with it, right? Um, but the thing is, that was a family. It was, it was your adults yeah. and kids. Kids in wheelchairs, not wheelchairs, pushchairs, yeah. your preteen, um, a couple of teenagers as well. That, right? And if you look at it from a, a, you know, a, a community point of view, the fact is, is that no community exists in isolation for a fixed period of time. You ha- if you don't have that growth, if you don't have that, you know, if you don't have that element of bringing in younger generations, things die off. I mean, in my other hobby life, I am massively, we mentioned, alluded to already, I love trains. Massive, you know, trains is my thing. This is a great hobby. I love more game, I love tabletop gaming, etc. But if it was up to me, I'd be all trains all the time. It's impossible, <laughs> right? Me and my dad, and dad who's in his mid to late seventies, right? We own shares in a steam engine. Really lucky. Last an year, a, an actual real train. Wow, all, all hundred odd tons of it when it's cool. And it's in Norfolk. And it's fantastic. We go and see it every year when we can. Covid allowing. Last year, we went to the AGM of the shareholders company. It was about 200 shareholders in this company and dad and I are part of it. We went there and one of the things we're talking about is the fact that in a room in which there were 60 people, 
I, at that point, the grand old age of 42, was the youngest person in that room. Oh, that's not great. Right? Yeah. So I made a joke and everyone laughed, but ultimately made the joke, which is I just have to make sure that I outlast all those old codgers. <laughs> and then in 15, 20 years' time, I'm going to be the sole owner of a steam engine because yep. it's really difficult to get kids and youngsters involved in railways. It's one of the things, it's one of the reasons why we contacted Haba originally because that's that's one of their big things is, you know, the, the, the aside from making board games, they make family toys, they make all sorts of other stuff. So Lots by getting families games. in the door now, by getting families in the door in 2018 and 2019 and 2022, we're not just keeping ourselves going as a business because again we have to come back to the fact that we're doing this as this is a business yeah, sure. group, not, yeah. yeah so the the 13 year old that arrived in 2018 and played D for the first time is hopefully going to be our customer at tabletop scott in 2028 2029 30 when they're teenagers they're not spending mum and dad's money they're spending their money and they're enjoying the hobby with their friends if you don't have that catch point early enough if you're not talking to like um, we've talked to schools in the past. If you're not involving families, in particular families with your know, te- early teen and preteen children, you, your market vanishes really, really quickly. And we've all we've all done it. We've all seen it. I mean, I'm heavily involved in a game club in Dunfermline Dwarf. Dave's involved in it as well, and and we know people. And you, there's a moment where we've got people that have come along over the years where they've come with parents when they're 10, 11, 12. They get to 16, 17, and they vanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's. I mean, the, it's it's important for us. I think this is somebody there, right? It's it's, yeah. it's it's really key that we want to have that offering, and so far, our attendees want that offering to be there. And we, the gateway aspect was there to complement the family zone, i.e., for people who aren't aren't necessarily kids. Um, although, absolutely, we, they're welcome to but are new to the hobby or are curious about the hobby and we select between six and eight games that are easy to teach um, or relatively easy to teach. We tend to have a scale and we demo those games, but we demo them in a way that we teach them how to start playing and we leave them alone. Yeah. You know, so they're learning how to play it rather than us walking them through it. So Andy Stallard is, is staffing that for us this year with the support of Ian Cameron um, and a couple of others. And it's kind of like, that's just, again, that's about growing the hobby because it's, we don't have a mission statement, but I suppose that would be part of it, right? It's it's the sort of thing that we want to make sure that the hobby continues to grow and that the community kind of grows with it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love it. Every time I've been to UK Games Expo, I've always loved that they are yeah. quite open about yeah. family zones and like attracting like a wider audience that aren't just all, well, let's face it, old white men. Yeah, exactly. Playing games, and it's, exactly. it's good to see a sort of diverse audience coming to the game, and especially young people, yeah, coming to the game. Yeah, because what, what Richard and Tony do with Expo is, is so they, they go, obviously, because they're bigger than us, but significantly wider than that. I mean, they, yeah. I mean we've, we've got Imagination Gaming come, coming this year, along with Hashtag, and Imagination Gaming work with a lot of schools in England, um, in particular, uh, to kind of broaden people's knowledge of board games from an educational perspective as well as an entertainment perspective. Sure. So it's the sort of thing that we're keen to support them to do something similar in Scotland, and therefore that's why they're coming up to help uh, with 
our, our event, which is great. And it's it's just recognizing that those partnerships, you know, are out there, which again, if you don't ask, you, you tend to not get. I mean, the thing with it, thing with especially with the family zone and the the gateway gaming zone, there are no losers in that situation. No, it, no. It's it is the easiest win we could ever have as as a group of people that organise an event as a team. It's it is ridiculously easy for us to just put something in place that we know is going to let people that are new to the hobby or returning to the hobbies come in and go right. This is a good starting point for me or my family or us collectively, and. There's no losing there because they either find something that they love and will love for years to come, or they go, actually, it's not for me. And that's yeah. just good because you, yeah. can't, you can't force people to enjoy something. But if they do enjoy it, Great. what we've seen is those that have enjoyed that first bit, that gateway game, getting Ticket to Ride for the first time or other games we've picked, they, they, they stay. They don't walk out. Yeah. They, stay. They, they come around go to the exhibit as they watch people play, they, they sign up for Dungeons and Dragons. Buy a demo or something, they you know, they, they, they take part in something silly, they go and have try something in the library. And, and one thing we haven't said, and, I, and people will shout at me if I don't, is that the Habit Zone this year is being staffed by the team at Juniper Green Games. Um, because it's the sort of thing that when when Haba when we were talking to Haba about this year's event, they were the people who normally do it have moved to France. You know, fair enough. Okay, <laughs> and it was kind of big, it was like right, okay. So how do we how do we offer that service? And, and knowing Eric and Colin and Jen and that really well, it was really easy for me to go. Would this be something they'd be interested in? And, and that's a fantastic, that's fantastic, a very family orientated game group in Edinburgh, Juniper Green. Yep, um, they're great. Who who are you know full of the joys of gaming? Mm-hmm going to be talking about gaming with people that are interested in learning about it and it, yeah. it's just an inbuilt recipe for success yeah did you hear that eric no pressure it's an inbuilt <laughs> recipe for success. and also oh, I'll, I'll, also I'll be seeing eric tomorrow and tell him what he said excellent tell him that also, tell him that john said that <laughs> also on behalf of dave hi jen <laughs> so we've touched a little bit there on sort of the general health of the hobby and in in Scotland, we've seen a couple of big shops shut down recently, including yeah. Big Dog Books and Big Dog Books in Perth. How do you both sort of see the health of the tabletop hobby in Scotland at the moment? So, so retail is really hard right now. Right, retail is ridiculously hard right now. I know that from the perspective that my wife owns a bull shop. Um, so it's 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 really quite tough now. I think it's doubly so within the tabletop hobby because the vast majority of the product that these people sell is not made in this country. So therefore, shipping and VAT changes and other things like that have compounded that problem. So you've said, I mean, Stuart, uh, who owned Big Dog Books, was a fantastic supporter of the convention and was originally going to be an exhibitor at the convention. Um, but when he had to make the decision to close both his Perth and Dundee stores, that yeah. we felt we felt that for him, right? And similarly, Connor, who had Murphy's Vault in Gala Shields, he's had to close. John, who um, owns Comic Crazy in Paisley, they are closing soon. Uh, I think they've got one or two weeks left of trading. Oh yes, I uh, that one as well. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it 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 must be heartbreaking for them. And I think yeah. right now, re- retail is a really hard place to be. And I think the irony perhaps of the pandemic is that the hobby has probably grown or the 
the awareness of the hobby is probably growing. But oh, yeah. the transition back to going to stores for events and to buy product is hasn't quite happened yet. And that must be really hard. So, I, yeah, and as, as you know, I used to own a game store, so I probably feel it even more so. It's kind of really tough for them. Well, we're finding ourselves in a situation now where um, you're, as you're gaming in general, as in Scotland and further afield, yeah. that the pandemic situation has shown that the market is still there. There's a thriving environment where people want to do this. It's, it's a, a great hobby. The difficulty is translating, as Dave said, translating that into retail. Yeah. Prime factors in that, you know, cost, etc. But the reality of the situation is, is you look across, pick any industry that involves a retail market. Yeah. This isn't a new phenomenon. Retail, the retail sector has been struggling for years in all sorts of different stuff. Um, you know, you, you look at all the big department stores that have gone bankrupt. Yep. They've, they've yeah. Chains that have gone over the years. And the people that are surviving, that it's either they're working on such a scale that you know they can cope, or in fact they're working at such a scale that the, the small independent local retailer can't cope. Um, you know, I mean, you, the, you were just yeah. the other day, we were in Perth, uh, myself and Simon uh, were in Perth uh, visiting Langs, the company that are going to be doing the catering for us at uh, the Jewish Centre this year, and we noticed that there was a small electrical retail shop. Good old-fashioned brick-and-mortar electrical retail shop. You know, local company selling all sorts of elect- stuff for electricians and home electricians, yeah. etc. Right? And we both remarked how really rare it was to see that because the fact of the matter is, a big chain like Maplin, you know, mm-hmm. couldn't yeah. cope, and this small local independent retailer was still doing it. Um, and they can't compete against your Amazons, your Ebays, your your big, huge, you know, marketplaces so it, it's across every part of the retail sector i think what we collectively can do is be clever with our money and it's not you know i, I say this regularly to people that um i play war games with you know, but i'm quite lucky that i'm barely a 25 minute drive from common ground games and star yep. um, and i make a conscious point of knowing that if i've got hobby money to spend on war gaming i'll go to steve for that yeah sure yep. um because Okay, I'd pay more than if I was buying from a bulk online retailer, but alongside the fact that I'm buying my plastic crack off Steve, I've got somewhere to play my games, I've got somewhere to meet people and socialise, etc. And it's being aware of that. And I, I think that... And it's Steve, a, right? It's and Steve. And I like, yeah, Steve's I like great. I like seeing his miserable face every so often. Exactly. <laughs> There's a miserable face, but we still like... Yeah, does, and, and, and Sky, the shop dog's lovely. And... And I it think it's a great venue. Just exactly, and that's it. A game space and great venue. And I think that as consumers, you, know, I would always say to anyone listening and people that attend Tabletop Scotland, is if you can buy from your friends a local game store. Now, not and that's an F. I totally get the fact that we we're not dealing with cheap hobbies here. Sometimes, no. yeah, no. you can get pick up a game for five quid. Sometimes you can you can get your paint or whatever for somewhere, and you can save it. I mean, you can buy, there are retailers in that, again, going to Wargames, so there are retailers that will give you 20-25% off online purchases for Games Workshop stuff. And I buy a lot of Games Workshop. My main gaming hobbies are Age of Sigmar, which are Games Workshop games. Um, and I can get them cheaper elsewhere. And I'm acutely aware of that. And I know that for some people, if you've got a budget, 
and that budget won't stretch so far. You buy within your means. You don't. You, you, and, but at the same time, if you can afford to say, actually, you know what, I'll I'll buy it full yeah. price from a retailer, then it helps them and it helps you a little bit. Uh, and and I think it helps just the the general ecosystem of the hobby within Scotland. Because yeah. if the more retailers we have, the more visible the hobby is, and therefore the potential of more people playing games exists. You know, yeah. it's just it just feels like a natural synergy. It's, um, a, you know, it's, it's a it's a natural environment. You know, it's it's an ecosystem, um, and every individual actually feeds into that. So it's it's being aware that you as an individual can help your local shop by buying something there and that in turn helps them sell to other customers which means you've got more people to play games with yeah. um, and, and, and it grows from there but again we're all feeling the pinch just now I don't think anyone yep. isn't yep. Um, so we, we appreciate and that's what we're trying to do again Tabletop Scotland is by having that you know by having that environment in place for people to come along it might be that somebody's this is the only convention they get to this year so we spent, I mean, how many hours were we talking about ticket prices this year, Dave? <laughs> Ridiculous number of hours. Actually, we did meetings where we spent two hours at Robo Talk about and we were looking at version 17 of the same spreadsheet when we did, well, <laughs> when, when I did various modeling to go, well, if we did this, it would look like this. And, um, and, and for example, one of the things we've agreed from day one is that we're going to charge somebody a ticket to enter the event, the convention. We're not going to charge two pounds to sit at a table and play D and D or Pathfinder no. or, no. or any other game. We're not. We're not going to charge you to sit and play Ticket to Ride in the t- Ticket to Ride tournament. No. You've paid to enter the convention. Um, yeah. Other conventions charge for playing the games while you're there. Totally get that. Makes sense, financial point of view. But for us, we want to need to know that if, if they're paying the price for a weekend ticket, that's an open. It's all path. inclusive. Yeah, it's all inclusive, basically. Um, and that's how we can help out by giving people that that affordable experience. Yeah. So uh, I think we'll wrap up questions from me in a second and turn over to the audience. But I've got one more, which we've alluded a couple of times to sort of future plans. So what sort of plans do you have for looking forward to like 2023 and beyond for Tabletop Scotland? So <laughs> um, originally our plan for, um, I think it was 2020 or 2021, I can't remember, but it was to go to a three-day event. And we decided not to do that this year because you know first year back let's yeah. not let's not do something stupid. So a three day event is something we would still like to do, um, but we need the commercials of that to stack up. If I'm honest, uh, before we really make that decision, because it, it's 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 one of these things that if we can add more space and the assumption that we need more space, can we add more capacity by giving people the option to come on a Friday? Sure. So that's something that we are looking at. The other aspect, of course, is as we've already kind of touched on, is as that attendance grows, the venue obviously doesn't grow to scale uh, to, the, to that. So there may come a point in the future where we need to look at that. We're not at that point yet. Um, but that brings with it completely different challenges. You know, geographic challenges, commercial challenges, and even when it happens within the year challenges. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, would you look at moving it out of Perth at that point, or well, ending within Perth itself? So, so there are only if, if you ignore Aberdeen. No offence to anybody from Aberdeen, but if you know, ignore Aberdeen, quite, quite only, a bit further north. Yeah, there are only three venues in the central belt of Scotland. That, or in fact, there are only three venues in Scotland that have more floor space 
all roughly on one floor, right? One of them is the SEC, which I shouldn't need to state, but is more expensive. Um, Shocking. <laughs> and and not, insig- not insignificantly more, more expensive as well. No, I can't can imagine. It's more expensive. The, the expletives are very heavily implied there. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. And imagine. then we have the Royal Highland Centre, uh, Edinburgh Airport, um, which yep. is also more expensive, but not as um, expensive. But of course, if we have it in Edinburgh, we can't have it in August. You didn't do anything in August in Edinburgh on this yeah. And then there's another venue that that is a maybe option, but it's dependent on all sorts of things, and that's Stirling University, because they have the Sports Scotland campus on site, which is basically big halls. Yeah. But that involves a whole load of complexity. Now, I mean, I've we've spoke to each one of these venues, but purely on the basis to go, what would it look like if Um, if we had to go down a route of suddenly having to move venue for whatever reason, what would it look like if? Um, but we have no, to be clear, we have no desire to move it. <laughs> we are going to keep it in Perth as long as we humanly possibly can. Perth, um, is, Perth as we've discovered uh, through no effort on my part, I'll get that before Dave chips in, the Jewish Centre, it turns out, is, you know, if you when we wrote exhaustive long checklist of what we wanted in a venue and yeah we did we did we, we back in 2015 we wrote those lists and the only place that ticked more boxes was the SEC right that was the only place at that point that ticked more boxes and the boxes it ticked extra none of those or cumulatively could they could we realistically expect the benefit from being there to be worth the extra cost. I mean, that ultimately comes down to the amount of money that we're looking at there. Whereas with the Jewish Centre, we knew we had space to grow. We knew we had space to, to learn because one of the things, this is a big thing, is this is, you know, if, if we sound like old hats, it's because we're old, not because we're clever. <laughs> um, the fact is, is that we've been learning as we go along on this because there's no there's no footprint for this, the blueprint. There's no guide on how to run a gaming convention. If there was a guide to running a gaming convention, it would only have two words on it, and the second one is don't. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm sure everyone can guess what the first one is. Um, and then if you turn the page over, it'll say, I told you so. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's no, there's no blueprint. So we've been learning as we go along, and what we're sure. trying to do is put those lessons in place as cleverly as we can and make sure that we don't push to a point where the event is unsustainable. And that sustainable bit is where we're just trying to be clever, play, sometimes maybe a bit safe. We could have probably done three days this year. We talked about it. We did. And, we yeah, did. and we and we all said, hang on a minute. We're, we're not, if we were do if we hadn't had a two-year gap, you know, Then it would have probably felt like yeah. a no-brainer, right? Yeah. We need, we're rusty. We need to get back into the swing of this. You and we don't know if people want to come. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're we're learning as much as we go along as 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 doing, um, and we're putting those lessons into play. And I think that that's one of the great things about finally enough is the great things about doing this in Scotland. Um, the Scotland part of tabletop Scotland is just as important as the tabletop part of it. We want an yeah. event that is an event for people, and yeah, okay, we we've got people going from all over the world, fingers crossed, and from you know, England, Scotland, and Wales, and Ireland, and Northern Ireland, and etc. But this is the Scotland part of it is really important and that's why Perth is so good because you can get right into it. It's a great location for people in Scotland and it's accessible for elsewhere as well. Yeah. And 
yeah, it just fits so many parts of what we're after. And just sure. grow it and grow and grow it. And if push comes to shove, there's a swimming pool next door. No. <laughs> no, we're not using the swimming pool for anything. Yeah, I, I, I still think we should do what the plan is. No, we're not doing that. The insurance said no. I mean, our, so our furthest away attendee, as far as I can tell, is from Israel. Last this year. year. Yeah. This year. Oh. Right. Which is, and we've got people coming from, actually, no, maybe not. Texas, that's further away, right? Um, yes. Yeah, quite a bit further away, yeah. So in Canada for uh, the Grand Clash for Shakespeare. Yeah. With a gentleman who was on holiday in Ireland who who booked tickets for the convention to come and play in the Shades by Grand Class we had, went on a family holiday in Thailand, flew from Dublin to... It was a stag stag weekend. weekend. He managed to convince the stag to move the trip to Scotland rather than Dublin so that he, (laughs) after after the stag, could go to the convention and take part in the Grand Clash. That That was it. Yeah, I love the That's pretty good. And so basically, rocked up with his stuff and turned up and played in the event, and that had a great time. And came second or something like that, didn't yeah. And he lost to probably one of yeah. the best in the world. So, so we know we've got a, potentially got a global reach, but we also want to be acutely aware of the fact that we wanted to put in place something for the the gaming community in Scotland. Yeah, sure. And, and Perth happens to be pretty much slap bang in the middle from a road yeah. network and real network perspective. What if I've been from pretty much everywhere? Except yeah, I'll be driving up myself. And it's, uh, yeah, very easy to get to. Right, it's enough questions from me anyway. I'm going to turn things over to folks in the audience. So like I said at the start, folks, if you want to ask a question and be recorded, there's a little show request button at the bottom. That's a little hand wavy symbol. You can click on that. Uh, or if you prefer to just type a question in the Let's Theatre channel, I can ask it to david and john and i've got one from simon yeah uh who's oh, uh, yeah. Ask, uh, says i should ask you about how you discovered the Dewar center so how i discovered it and how john failed to tell me he discovered it are two different stories so one how i discovered it was my as i say my wife owns a wool shop <laughs> she was at perth yarn, yarn festival uh at the Dewar center Came back from that and said, you need to go and have a look at that venue. So I turned around to John and Simon and said, right, let's go and have a look at that venue. And John was like, I go there every year with my dad for the Model Railway exhibition. <laughs> and and this is kind of like September 2017. And we'd been talking about hosting an event for two years at this point. Um, and not once had he mentioned this venue to me. So, yeah, that's that's the story. In, in my defense. <laughs> no, there's no defense. It's a very limited defense. As I have mentioned several times, that I really, 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 really do like trains. You do, right? yes, yes. And when I'm and, and I'm like, I'm going to look at trains. To be honest with you, it could be in a cave or in the open air. The moment yeah. I see these wheels turning around on the track, you're, right. you're there. Yeah, that's smart. Right, and the irony is, of course, is that anyone that knows anything about model railways in particular knows that model railways do not. Well, they take up space. An exhibition mm. model railways, layouts that people take to exhibitions, are not ever renowned for being, what's the word I'm looking for, small. No, they're not small. Well, as Dave did point out, because in 20, um, 2018, in July of 2018, Dave met myself, Dave and his daughter met myself and my dad and Simon at the Jewish Centre for the Perth Model Rail Exhibition. And Dave did point out that there was a, a layout that was about 120 feet long. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I, I said, oh, it's a part of the East Coast Main Line and blah, blah. And he looks at me and he goes, 
that's 200 open gaming seats. And I'm yep. like, oh yeah, it's a layout though. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, just looking at the drains and Dave's like, no. And, it, and I could see the gears were in his head and he's going, and I'm like, okay, so I get the point. I might have made a mistake in not mentioning it. But at the end <laughs> thing, I, I, if you'd asked me what, and if you'd asked me what was in that building other than trains, I wouldn't have known what the... He wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known. Aww. I mean, in the mail, he didn't know you were in Perth. You were just driving yeah. to a train. I was driving, and wow. I'm like, and it turns out that there's an ice rink and a, a bowling hall, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah cafe, that didn't matter. Like, where the cafe was, I knew what the bacon rolls were like. Yeah. I couldn't have told you, I told you anything else about it. And that's simple, simple, and I'm like, yeah, bung as well. Um, so my defence is that I like trains. Yeah, that, that's, that's as thin a standard defence. But yeah, it, but, I mean, fundamentally, as John said, we had a checklist that ticked pretty much the checklist, and they wanted us. Great. Oh, yeah, they, which they was great. They're desperate. They, they, not desperate, but they... The moment we told them what the event was about, they were like, "Wow, how we how can we do this?" Great, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, from my co-host Jamie, if John is going to go in a Zorb, what game would be perfect whilst Zorbing? Um, a giant life-size ten bimbul and Halley. I can't think of anything else really. Um, uh, with you as the ball at that, yeah, at that point, yeah. yeah. And I guarantee there'd be a cubicle paying a fiver to throw me down there, roll me down. There would be, make yeah. I'd kill, kill him doing that. Is that, is, that, is, that, is that a suggestion for next year? Is that what you're saying? No, because if I'm not <laughs> to do bank in the pool, I'm not getting absorbed anyway. <laughs> okay, right. I mean, you could probably absorb over a pool, right? They float. Yeah, you could. That that could be it instead. It's not what the plank, it's just John and absorb on the pool. There you go, sorted. As long as you're happy to take the insurance risk on that, no. not me, that's right. <laughs> well, uh, so here's a question, for, uh, actually, question for me, actually. What's it like getting insurance for a call like Tabletop Scotland? Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you have to get event, what's called events insurance, which covers you for very specific things at an event. And beyond. Uh, as other people who organise these types of things will know, we are not the standard model for an event. So they ask you questions like, okay, how many guests are you going to have? And it's like, right, okay, what do you mean by guest? Yeah. You know, you need, because they need to, you know, it's like, is that, yeah. does that include our volunteers? Does that include guests who are just coming, but we're not, we're not selling tickets on the basis of them coming? What do you mean by that? You know, it's, so it, it becomes a bit of a dialogue. The benefit we have is we've used the same insurance company each year. So they know what madness we're up to and so there's a very interesting questions that are related to terrorism that's yeah fun. there are yeah yeah. Um, yeah and then there's um you know a whole set of stuff about cash and access and you know and there's some definition of the word guest definition of the word volunteer yep. what makes them they go from being a volunteer to a guest or vice versa you know what cat uh dms fall into yeah um, and, and even would he define as staff as a, as yeah. a volunteer a staff member or not and all of these are factors yeah. that go into the equation that pumps out a number and you go really that, that's it much is all right okay then, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to accept that thanks and then, and then two minutes later he goes hang on a minute yeah plus fat yeah <laughs> oh yeah plus oh, i mean plus don't get me wrong, it's it's absolutely something. You should not run an event without having any kind of insurance whatsoever. Of course not, yeah. Um, I mean, and to yeah. be honest, in fairness to the insurance people, um, every time we've asked them a question, they've been open and transparent about what they want to know and what they're doing. They, 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 they're, they've actually been really, really quite helpful in many respects. And so we built up a decent relationship with them. Um, yeah. I suppose. But 
ultimately, it's one of those things where you work on the assumption, and I think we started quite early, assume the worst. Mm-hmm. We asked the question of the venue. The venue said to us, you must have public liability insurance to a certain amount. I forgot what yeah. the amount is. We yeah. went to the insurance company and said, the venue are asking for this. They put together a policy and came back and said, actually, we think based on everything you've told us, you want to have this amount instead as your public liability insurance. Yeah. And on top of that, here's what we recommend. And, and one, I mean, one of the factors, for example, that totally changed the shape of the insurance what was first aiders. Yeah. Um, yeah. Venue, staff are the first aid staff. We don't have to, in fact, we're not allowed to supply first aid. No, we're not. No, we're not. They made it quite clear as part of our lease that they are responsible for providing first aid staff. So we told and bringing it back to the whole thing about how much they wanted us, right? They've made it, they've made certain things easy. If we were at another venue, like one of the venues we looked at previously, John, way back in 2015, 2016, we would have had to hire in first aiders to be there just in case because the venue would not provide that to us. Yeah. Um, so it's the sort of thing that the venue just gives us that. That's something they just give us. It's baked into the cost model. That's right. that's just that's just easy. Yeah. So yeah. How did we get on to first aiders after? Oh, you because you asked about insurance, right? Yeah. Any uh, any other questions from folks listening? Where is Dave going? August. John doesn't want to know the answer to that question. Oh, sorry. Was that when Dave's Dave going to GenCon? As far as I'm aware. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Dave's going to GenCon. I, I never wanted to go to Indianapolis. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> I, I went to GenCon once, back way, yep. way, way, way back in the day, and it's gone like four times the size now. Something yeah, it's, it is, it's 70,000 people per day now. <sighs> wow, that's a lot of people. Yep, it is. <laughs> but it's, also, it's also taken over more more space though as well. Obviously. Yeah, it's t- it takes over most of Indianapolis now. <laughs> Pretty much. Best I can tell. What has been the most pleasant surprise that has come out of the con each year? Oof. Um, uh, you go. You go. Like, yeah, yeah, I think I know what you want. Let's go for it. My one is going to be, and I've sold this elsewhere, Sunday afternoon, I'm at reception. This family walk in, having seen the sign outside, they literally were just like, we've seen the sign, what's this all about? I give them a little tour, show them everything, say, right, on you go in, comp the family ticket, and we'll take the hit. I mean, it's, it's a Sunday afternoon, after all. Yeah. You go in, um, I'm a couple hours later, I see the family, about well, a couple of hours, at the end of the day, I see the family yeah, leaving, yeah. and in the time they've been, and I've shown them, I'm showing them upstairs, they've got a daughter with them who, I'm going to say, is primary six, primary seven age. Well, not quite. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And another little one in a, a, a push chair, and the, the, the daughter and the dad sat down at an RPG table, got signed up for an RPG, did it together. Um, the DM was more than happy to do it as a, a twofer. Then as they're leaving, see them leaving, say hello to dad again, and he's got a carrier bag in his hand, and inside the carrier bag is a D&D starter box. Yep. Nice. Uh, a, 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 several sets of dice, a, a couple of D&D source books, um, a, a, a dice thing, yeah, um, a dice... Sure. Well, no, no, a dice tray it was, wasn't it? Dice tray, pens and stuff, and the little girl's clutching her, her character sheet from the role-playing game, and yeah. they talk about when they're going to do it when they get home. Nice. And I'm like, well, you know, that is everything that we're trying to do in one fell swoop. Um, and it literally because they just saw a big sign and said, what's that all about? Um, 
And I was at my like, that's it. That's everything I've ever wanted. Everything I've ever wanted at the tabletop Scotland, with yeah. the exception of making Dave play a war game, which I'm going to happen one day, happened in the space of that visit. I could have done nothing else that weekend and I'd have known it was worth all the work that's gone into it. Definitely. For yourself, Dave? That was much shorter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just the fact that it worked and that it keeps working and people want to keep coming back, it's genuinely a surprise. Um, and and that maybe sounds a bit pithy, but it's it's the sort of thing that when we created this, we didn't know if it would work. So yeah. it keeps me kind of going, right, okay, people do want this. Great. And when, as, as I said earlier in the cast, it's like when ticket sales went online and we blew the doors off and it was like, right, okay, right, good, right, on with it, right, cool. It's But that that's essentially a big part of the motivation to yeah. do it in the first place because we don't make any money out of this. <laughs> no, let's just kind of make it work. It washes yeah. its face. That's all it does. Comedy assertions aside, the fact that we've managed to stay friends <laughs> yes, that 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 is that. I mean, admittedly, I have point. Yes, actually, yeah. I have disowned Simon several times, and I've disowned your brother. Question. That aside, the fact is, is that we've managed to maintain our friendship throughout this as a group because yeah. we're doing. We all know what we're doing. The same thing. We're all doing it for the same reasons, and and it yeah. worked. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from TTS leaks in our audience, um, that's, that's uh, our Greg. Yes, hi, Greg. thank you, Greg. Hello, Greg. Uh, he, he would like to know more about the diversity panel that John is hosting at this year's <laughs> event. Oh, I'm, I'm being nice, Ian, because I know you, you're a family-friendly podcast. So I can assure you that in my head the words are not nice. Um, <laughs> currently, I'm allegedly informed, although I think I might have been drinking at the point in time. You were. Was, I was drinking. Uh, we talked about what we could do for panels, and I actually did suggest, in light of stuff that I'd seen happening in the online gaming world at that point in time, that one thing that uh, I certainly we focused on about the people we we involve in and everything is is uh, is how we make tabletop Scotland open to everyone. Yeah. Um, we you know, at a very base level, we don't care who you are um, as long as you you're you're having fun, right? And uh, uh, and how do we discuss that? Or how do we how do we make that happen? And one of the things that we talked about and subsequently asked that I will do. I don't remember saying it, but I've been you told it, um, <laughs> is host a panel on inclusion and diversity in gaming. So we're doing that this year. Um, I've got a great panel lined up. It's actually going to be quite an easy bit of work because I've only got one question to ask. Yeah, he has more in reserve, by the way. Just so oh, you know. I, I know. But I mean, I, that, that's why I like doing interviews because basically I just ask a question and then let people talk for I mean, a while. I've got several down, but the only question really is how do we and by that, I don't mean the world, I mean we as people make gaming open and inclusive to all. Simple as that. Yeah. What do we need to do? And I've got a great panel hopefully lined up. We've got people that are excited. They do, not hopefully they are. Got yeah, five well, I'm going to be excited about it. I'm not excited about it. <laughs> We're going to ask that question and hopefully come up with a few answers on how we explore that. So, you know, and at the same time, try not to insult everyone that's there because, you know, I might or may not have you'll be known for ironically enough being a bit gobby um <laughs> there are other words and it's quite ironic that i'm the one hosting this panel because if you go and look at the group of us that run tabletop scotland and say who's most likely to put the foot in the mouth um it's going to be me 
um, by some wide margin. And I'm really excited that the people that I might have harangued at panels in the past, hi Josh, um, can't get their own back because, you know, what are you going to do? Stand up and harangue somebody at an inclusivity panel. Fair enough. You're kind of, you're kind of immune at that point. Yeah, I mean, um, no, but yeah, it's... it's I don't, it's, and it goes back to, you know, the identity thing. We we want to have and we we are, people to feel comfortable, whoever yeah. they are, whatever walk of life they are, etc. We have acknowledged the fact that <laughs> with one very distinct separation yep. of aspect, we as a group are extraordinarily typical of what people would expect when you say the word tabletop gamer. Yeah. We are white men with beards and beards. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie and I are conscious of that on the cast as well. Like, and, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and, uh, we, and we try not to joke about it too much, but the fact of the matter is, is that I, I as a member of the LGBTQ community, um, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm relatively lucky that I, you know, to, to, um, to, to be really specific, I'm in some of the circles we classify the straight passing. So, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I you know, so I can fit into that environment with absolute, and, and nobody would bat an eyelid in that respect. But actually, that's not fair. That's not fair on me, and it's not fair on people that aren't in that situation. So we want to make sure that, despite the fact our outward appearance and the way we way we are, is quite normative. Actually, that's not who we are. Um, that's not who we want to be, and that's not who we want to be involved with. Sure. Great. Well, I think I'll wrap things up there, gents. So, um, so thank you very much both for coming along and chatting to us about Tabletop Scotland. I'm looking forward to the event myself. Like I say, I don't have any commitment, so I'm just going to be there gaming and maybe chatting to people. Might do a bit of brainwaves work. Who knows? You never know. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> never know. Might, might, might have a recorder in my pocket just in case. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm really, really looking forward to it. You've got a lot of great uh, exhibitors coming along and yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I'm really, really looking forward to just a couple of days of gaming. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for both coming along. Uh, thank you very much for our audience for coming along and listening and asking questions. And yeah, it'll be the first time Jamie and Mr. Shantler, our older host, might be along as well. So Excellent. Uh, might be the first time we've gamed together in quite some time, which would be absolutely fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, so, but thanks, thanks both of you for coming along tonight. And uh, thank you to our, our audience. Uh, we will wrap up the cast part of that just now. Thank you very much, everyone. Good night. Bye. Cheers. Bye.